Um, hey, last week uh, I was uh, talking about the power of expectation. If you didn't hear that message, you can always go back on our YouTube channel and uh, you can catch that. And we've been in a series called First Things First. The first thing that we wanted to do is we want to step in first with expectation on God. We want to uh, have expectation that's healthy and expectation that's inspiring. And those are key things when we're walking with expectation. This week, I wanted to talk about something that when you walk with expectation on God, uh, a lot of times, I think this is where we're at in society a bit, and perhaps you can relate to this. I know that sometimes that I'm walking with expectation, and there's a multitude of things that are coming at me, and as they come at me, I have to begin to, to decipher and distinguish and determine what it is that I need to be moving into, what it is that I, not, I, I don't need to be moving into. And, and I feel like right now in 2022, on, on, you know, today in January, we are faced more than ever in society with the decision of what is right and what is wrong. Can anyone relate to this? I feel like this is at like the top of the list of, of what people are shouting from uh, media platforms and in personal conversations. It's we're, we're just really, when it comes down to it, we're trying to figure out and decipher and determine and distinguish God, we're, we're like, we have an expectation on you. Even as followers of Jesus, we have an expectation of you, God. But then, Lord, help me to figure out what's right and wrong. And so today we're going to jump in and we're going to read a scripture in 1 Samuel 17. Last week we were talking about David. And I'm going to talk about David again today. And last week we talked about the part when David went and he picked up five smooth stones and he fought Goliath with an expectation that his God would show up. Today I'm going to back up a little bit and I want to utilize what happened just prior to that and I want to talk about what David had to walk in and determine before he took action. In 1 Samuel 17, 23, it says, as he was talking with them, he was talking with his brothers, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath came out from the Philistine ranks. Then David heard him shout his usual taunt to the army of Israel. As soon as the Israelite army saw him, they began to run away in fright or in fear. Have you seen the giant, the men asked. I mean, they're, they're kind of freaking out. And so I, I would bet, you know, that ends with a question mark, but I kind of have the question mark exclamation point kind of a moment. Like, you know, have you, they're, they're a little excited. The heart rate's up. And, and they're saying, you know, have you seen the enormity of this giant? The men ask, and he comes out each day to defy Israel. I, I want to stop and make this point. The entire army of Israel examined the magnitude of the situation, and they determined that they should run from Goliath. That sometimes when we're faced with decisions, we have to be careful to not look at the physical size of the decision and determine that we should run away. In fact, I will tell you in my own life that the hardest decisions have been the best decisions. That sometimes the easy way is not the best way. 
I have never walked into anything in my life that I really looked back on and I said, that was worth it. That was fulfilling by making the easy decision. I have to tell you, it's always been the more difficult one. And, and the army of Israel's taking the easy street right here. They're not making the difficult decision. And verse 25 says, the king has offered a huge reward to anyone who kills him. They start telling David this. Like, hey, I'm gonna pawn the decision off on you, so I'm gonna try to entice you and dangle the carrot in front of you, okay? He will give that man one of his daughters for a wife, and the man's entire family will be exempted from paying taxes. That's sweet. Right? I want to get out of paying taxes. You can't have my daughter, though. Um, David asked the soldier standing nearby, what will a man get for killing this Philistine and ending his defiance of Israel? I think this is hilarious because they just told him what he would get, and he asks again. And listen, he asks, what will a man get for killing this Philistine, ending his defiance of Israel? And he says, and then he doubles down on the question. He says, who is this pagan Philistine anyway? He starts to frame his examination of the situation. He starts to put things in perspective. What will a man get if he defeats this Philistine, and, 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 and he says, let, let, let me frame this for you. Um, you, you. You were yelling at me how great and how big, how large the magnitude of this problem was, the giant. Let me frame this for you. He's merely a pagan Philistine anyway. And he starts pulling it into perspective, doesn't he? That he is allowed to defy the armies of a living God. David begins to analyze the situation to determine what the right thing to do is with this evil giant who is defying the armies of God. Sometimes when we have to make a decision, we look at things through a lens of what's impacting me or what stands against me. And David shows us something. He turns it and he says, what is it that's coming against God? He removes himself from the scenario, doesn't he? He doesn't say that this pagan Philistine who would defy you or defy me. He says, he, he's defying, listen, he's defying you as an army of a living God. That sometimes what you feel the magnitude of in your decisions and you feel like there's pressure, you feel like maybe there's a little bit of defiance in a situation, it's not about you. There's a defiance against you because you are a child of a living God. <laughs> Can you turn to somebody today and just, could you, listen, I don't even know if you believe in Jesus, but this is still a true statement. Could you just turn to somebody right now and say, I'm a child of a living God? If, if you're by, like you tell yourself, say, put your hand on yourself, 
Say, I'm a child, I'm a child of a living God, okay? And, and David goes on, and, and it says, verse 27, and these men gave David the same reply. They said, yes, that is the reward for killing him. But when David's oldest brother, check this out, his oldest brother, Eliab, David had a lot of brothers, all right? But they were part of the army of Israel that ran away in fear. So this is one of them. So listen, He heard David, his brother Eli, heard David talking to the men, and he was angry. <laughs> what are you doing around here anyway, he says to him. David's the little brother. Have you, I was the little brother. <laughs> you know, like my older brother duct taped me to a light post one time. <laughs> right? I grew up in Oceanside, and we, where we lived, there were these light posts, and he held me up on the light post and his friends ran around in circles and duct taped me to the posts. And growing up, you know, I, I, it was summertime. And oftentimes you would find me, you know, I was a little beach rat. I just had like my little, my little trunks on, right? My little OP shorts. If you, if you, if you know the OP area, amen. It was your short shorts, men. <laughs> All right, some short cord shorts. <laughs> Okay, so I had my little surf trunks on, and they, held, and they duct taped me, and then they literally got in the car, and they left me duct taped up on the light post. And I had, to, I had to bear down with all my strength. Duct tape is strong. I had to bear down, and I had to loosen it up enough, and, and, and the light post, you know, anyway. And it was made of concrete, and I didn't have a shirt on. I love older brothers. And it was like, what are you doing around here anyway? And I'd say, I mean, I'd be like, this is the brother that had, had duct taped him to the, to like the light post, okay? What about those few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? That's an inaccurate statement. David wasn't taking care of a few sheep. He was taking care of a whole flock. And it says in scripture that he had killed a lion and he had killed, he had done more taking care of his father's flock than this fool had done out on the front line as part of the army. I know, listen to what the brother says. I know about your pride and your deceit, he says to David. You just want to see the battle. And David goes, what have I done now? That statement right there tells me he's had this conversation before. Right? Well, what did I do now means you've said this to me before, but now, like, little brother, right? He's just like, what did I do now? And he says, I'm just asking a question. See, Eliab, David's brother, is scrutinizing him. And he comes to the wrong conclusion as to why David is there and how he ended up there. See, David's father had sent him to take food to Eliab. And he, acute, he scrutinizes David. He examines the situation. He comes, he determines, and he comes to the wrong conclusion. So David walks over to some others, and he asks them the same thing, and he received the same answer. <laughs> David just keeps 
Like he's in discovery mode. I am going to find out what is going on here. He's examining and he's scrutinizing and he's analyzing, right? And it says, he walks over, he asks him the same thing and he receives the same answer. That's like confirmation. I keep getting the same answer. Confirmation. Then David's question was reported to King Saul and the king sent for him. And David says, hey, don't worry about the Philistine, David tells Saul. I'll go fight him. Now, David's conclusion here was different than Saul's. Here's what I mean. Saul had concluded to this point that he needed to stay in his tent. He's the king. He should be out on the battlefield doing what kings do. He has, Saul has concluded to this point that he should stay in his tent in fear and not fight the, the Goliath, the giant, this evil giant who keeps defying God. This is what Saul concludes. But after further examination, David determines the right thing to do was to confront this evil giant. Who was right and who was wrong in the situation? Keep in mind, was Saul right because he allowed David to go fight? Because after all, Goliath was killed. Who was right and who was wrong? I want to tell you we're all in a fight right now for who is right in society. We're all fighting for our rightness. And we all want to be right. And rarely have I ever found anyone in my life that wants to be wrong. Some of us feel a real tension in our lives to have to be right all the time. Like if you're the last word person in an argument, you just like you 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 just can't. I'm a I'm a last word person. I'm gonna admit it. You could be arguing with me and you'll say something. And it's a great point and it's like shuts the door and I and I could be like yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Like I it, it doesn't even make sense what I say. I just have to have the last word because I have to be right. You you. <laughs> And most of us want to want us like we want to know how to be right more than we want to know how to be wrong. No one says, "Hey, can can you teach me how to be wrong?" <laughs> we want to know how to be right. So today, this is what I want to do. I'm going to talk about the skill of here's this word discernment in a message today that I I'm calling how to always be right. Okay. Now we're going to discover three skills of discernment and what it takes to always be right. Because I am 100% sure that after today's message, you're going to be able to, if you listen intently, you will always be right. Okay? I know it sounds crazy. Okay? Number one, we need, what it takes to always be right, we need to be discerning with a standard. First Kings 3.9 says, therefore, 
Give your servant an understanding. This word understanding is an attentiveness. So it says, therefore, give your servant an understanding heart to judge your people. So it's give yourself, give your servant an an, an attentive, being attentive to God's word. This prayer here is, God, give me, help me be attentive to your word, okay? Uh, In order to have a heart to judge your people that I may, what, discern between good and evil, for who is able to judge this great people of yours? Now, let me, let me define for you what the word discern means, because some of you may think, like, I've never heard that, like, you may have never heard the word discern. Now, I want to establish a couple things. First and foremost, for those of you who have heard the word discernment and have a level of understanding, discernment is not wisdom. Two different things. In fact, next week, you're going to want to follow up and, and make sure to catch this message next week because I'm going to talk about wisdom. I'm going to talk about something that's important today called discernment, which is the first step toward wisdom. Okay? So it's not wisdom. Here's how I'm going to define discern. To discern is to examine or analyze in order to estimate, determine, or distinguish It's to scrutinize for the point of coming to a conclusion of what is right or wrong based on an absolute moral standard. What does the word absolute mean? This is is super, super important that we establish this. What does absolute mean? It's viewed or existing independently and not in relation to other things. Here's what I mean. It's not relative or comparative. It's an absolute moral standard. Society will define discernment as, now let me give you the, 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 now that's a biblical definition of discernment. Let me tell you what society defines discernment as. The ability to have understanding between good and evil of right and wrong based on a relative moral standard. Not an absolute moral standard. A relative moral standard. Now, relative meaning it's based on how a person feels. Well, that's relative, Pat. No, it's not. If you hit me in the head with a hammer... No matter how you feel about it, I'm going to have some feelings about it. And you could kill me. That's absolute, isn't it? If you jump off of a 30-foot building, what happens to you when you hit the ground is not relative based on how you feel, think, or your opinion, is it? So can we all agree there's some absolutes in life? We're living in a society that has dismantled the reality that there are absolutes. That's where we're living right now. I, I, I'm watching the news in Michigan, and they're having to put litter boxes in the bathrooms at schools for kids who identify as cats. Because that's how you feel. Because we lit, this is a true story. I saw it yesterday. 
mind blown. Like I just had to shut, I just had to shut my news app down. I was like, I can't even. I don't even really like cats to begin with, but a kid who thinks they're a cat? Because I don't want to clean that litter box. You know what I'm saying? All right. Do you understand? Okay. Listen, I'm a, a, relative is meaning it's based on how a person feels on an opinion or on a fallible human pro- promise. Fallible means it fails. Here's what I mean. You and I are always going to make a mistake. We're always going to come. We, we have failing points, don't we? No one, here's the thing, no one's perfect. So we cannot base what's right or wrong on a standard that changes and moves, <laughs> right? You gotta have a standard. Don't mistake all discerning determinations as godly discernment. Don't. You may make the right choice, but it doesn't mean it's the choice that is best. All right. In that scripture, it says, therefore give. This implies, therefore give me understanding. This is what 1 Kings says. Therefore give implies God is giving the absolute moral standard to be able to distinguish between good and evil. God, I need you to give me what? I need you to give me attentiveness and understanding. Why? Because you give the absolute standard. And at the very end of that, it asks a rhetorical question. Here's the rhetorical question. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? Meaning that that's not actually, the person isn't saying, I really need a response to this. It's a rhetorical question. It's an admission. What's it an admission of? It's a rhetorical question that's implying humanity is completely unable to supply the absolute moral standards to distinguish between good and evil. Why? Because if we leave it to ourselves, it's always going to change. Because today I need a litter box. Okay? Discernment at its foundation requires a single, absolute standard. And we live in a world today of double standards. Uh, <clears throat> I, I'm, I'm, I'm embarking, I'm about to uh, race another Ironman coming up in like eight weeks. So I get in like training mode. So training mode means lots of swimming, lots of biking, lots of running. <laughs> lots of pain. Lots of mental toughness, right? So I just, I buckle down and I, I go to the pool. I'm supposed to, l- listen to this. I'm supposed to swim uh, 3,000 yards. So I go in the pool and I swim 3,000 yards. Only come to find out I was supposed to swim 3,000 meters. Okay, so check this out. 3,000 yards is not 3,000 meters. Do you know how many yards? 3,000 yards is only 2,743.2 meters. See, I fought in my position of I was right when I was done with that workout. I was right. I did my, I felt like I did it. I felt like it was the right thing. Have you ever been here before? You're like ready to fight for this position. But based on my yardage standard, I had fallen short of the meter standard. 
We have to adhere to a standard unit of measure, a standard, a single standard. And if we don't, we will continually fall short. The army of Israel kept coming up short. Why? Because they were not basing what they were determining on the standard of God. It was on their own standard. Look how big the giant is. I'm weak. He's strong. I have fear. God's word is this beautiful thing. By the way, shout out to everyone who's joining us on the five, five days of reading through the Bible. It's super fun. We'll have a link up today for all of those you want to join for the next five days. Um, God's word is brilliant for discerning, determining, and distinguishing as a line between good and evil. Listen to this. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than two, two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and the joints and marrow, and is a what? Discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. The number one reason why I think you and I should be in Scripture reading the Bible is so that we can get a hold of an understanding of the absolute moral standard of who God is, his nature and his character. And we see that and we hear that. We hear his voice through his words in Scripture. It's always right. You will always be right. And it is always right to discern with the absolute moral standard of God's word. First step to always being right. Number two, we're gonna discern through training. I love this passage. Hebrews 5.11 says, there is much more we would like to say about this. This is, this is Paul writing. There's much more we would like to say about this, but it is difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull <laughs> and don't seem to listen. It is possible to see like, oh, I see, I can actually discern between right and wrong. You just don't listen. And this is the issue they're having. So he says, you've been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about what? God's word. Oh, come on. You're like, dude, he just, he just keeps going in deeper. First he called him spiritually dull. Now, now listen to what he says. He goes, you're like babies. <laughs> He's like, you're like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what? What is right? Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference. Recognize the difference. The word for that is discern. That, that through training have the skill to discern between right and wrong. What I love about discernment is it's not like you have it or you don't. I want you to know all of us have been given an, uh, an ability to discern. You see this exhibited in little kids, man. You're like, whoa. Like, they do something and hide? That's proof right there. Like, there's something in them. They're like, I know I wasn't supposed to do that, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to I'm gonna go eat the cookie in the corner. Right? 
So we've been given this ability to discern. It's in us. In fact, the problem in our original design was uh, we went against what our discernment said in our absolute standard of God, right? Adam and Eve, and they broke that and they made a decision based on how they felt, their opinion. So here's skill, I love this word skill. A skill is gifts that are grown through training. So many of us are gifted. The saddest thing for me to see is people that are gifted that don't submit their gifts to training and they never mature. Some of us are stopped dead in the middle of the tracks of our life journey because we have a discernment issue. That there's a continual, a repetitive pattern of just making the wrong decisions. Now I wanna tell you something, there's always hope for us. Why? Because discernment isn't based on us, and so this is key. When you're training something, you need the right trainer to train what you're going after. So I don't go to a bodybuilding trainer for triathlons, okay? I have a triathlon coach coaching me and training me. Why? Because I want to grow my ability as a triathlete that happens to be an endurance strength sport in three elements, swimming, biking, and running. You understand that? If you want to grow your, your financial skills, you don't go to a foot doctor. Are you with me? Why are we listening to unqualified voices to teach us things that they are not the trainers of specificity when it comes to us being discerning in areas of our life? Don't listen to me. I want you to know this. I want you to hear what I'm saying week in and week out, and I want you to take it away. I want you to sit with it, and I want you to ask the trainer. Guess who the trainer is? Holy Spirit, I need you to breathe on this. I need you to help give me discernment. I ain't ready yet. I'm preaching, James. I'm, I'm not there. It's cool. It's cool. Yep. We're family, it's good. See, that was wrong discernment. Listen, we've all been given ability to discern at some level. It's your job to work in partnership with the right trainer to grow it. I love this, 1 Corinthians 2.13. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches. Listen, I may give you some wisdom, but... I can tell you all day long, unless the Holy Spirit comes along and actually helps train what it is you're hearing me say, and re- like you're not gonna understand it. Some of you will hear what I'm saying and walk away and go, I don't even understand that. I don't agree with it. It's not a pat issue or a you issue. It's a we need the right trainer issue. We need the Holy Spirit to give us the revelation that we need. Well, when I read the Bible, I read it and I, I, I see that it's okay for me to do this. I'm like, that is not what the Bible says, right? 
because you're discerning with your own mind. So you're going to put your opinion on top of a command. We need the Holy Spirit. Are you with me this morning? We're going to compare. Listen, it says that it teaches, but with which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. We need the supernatural Spirit of God to train our discernment. For they are foolishness to him, it says. Nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Biblical discernment is spiritually discerned. Growth of discernment has to happen through the Holy Spirit to keep us anchored on the absolute single moral standard of God's word. It's always right. Always to train discernment in partnership with the Holy Spirit. Because he's the one who is going to be the teacher. Last point. What does it take to always be right? Discerning with humility. James, if you can hear me, buddy, come bring the Holy Spirit now. We're at that point. <laughs> when he comes out, he's going to come trailing out here. Listen. So good. Right? Yeah, man. This is actually really funny because this is going to tie into my message. Watch how this happens. What does it take to always be right? Discerning with humility. 1 Samuel 17, 31 says, Then David's question was reported to the king Saul, and the king sent, him, sent for him. And David said what? Don't worry about this Philistine. He says, I'm going to go fight him. See, Saul had discerned that the right person to fight Goliath was David. But he did it based on his own feelings of fear and insecurity. I'm afraid to go fight the giant. I'm feeling a bit insecure. And then Saul, here's what's key, Saul actually attempted to make David conform to what he determined was right by making David wear his armor. See, on the surface, it seems as if Paul discerned the right decision, but Saul discerned, and it was almost right. Like, Goliath needed to be fought but what would have happened if Saul would have gone and fought him the way that he should have? Let me, let me pull back the curtain a little bit and share a little bit with you about what ends up happening. David would go on to defeat the giant of Israel and he'd win the battle. But this would be the first of many almost right decisions almost right discerning moments in Saul's kingship. This was a tipping point as king for Saul. 
In fact, immediately after this, what ends up happening is, is that Saul grows really jealous of David for doing what he should have gone out and discerned needed to be done himself. And I, I, I love this. This is a quote from a guy named Charles Spurgeon. It says, discernment is not knowing the difference between right and wrong. It's knowing the difference between right and almost right. Listen, I don't think a lot of times in life we're, we're really far off of what's right. We're just almost right. Saul knew he was almost right. He knew that, that this giant needed to be defeated, but he got it wrong. I really think Saul should have gone and done it himself. And because he didn't, jealousy, he left the door open. He based it on fear, not on faith, and it left the door open. Sometimes when we get it almost right, we leave the door open for the enemy to come in and start seeding things. And it's one little small decision at a time. One almost right. One, I made it, I made the wrong discerning choice here, decision at a time. And ultimately for Saul, this would lead to him losing his throne to David. Saul found himself before God many times along that road. But what he didn't do is he didn't have the humility to admit that he was wrong in some of his decisions. Sometimes he would say it, but then he would go back to standing in his rightness. Discernment is about being in right standing before God rather than looking right before men. And Saul was having a problem because he didn't look right before men because they started really giving accolades to David. But he didn't have the humility just to admit that he was wrong. Can I tell you something? No one's going to get it right all the time. We have this nature and character. We have the word of God, this absolute moral standard that we can, we can say, Holy Spirit, partner with us and help us adhere and align to this. But you know in our humanity, like we're going to get it wrong. So this is actually the key. You can always be right if you're willing to admit when you're wrong. How can you always be right? Because at the end of the day, I want to tell you something. You're going to get it wrong. If you can have the humility to say, ah, I was almost right. I use yardage, and this was a meter exercise. Why don't you stand with me today? Discernment cannot be about always getting it right or being right since you're going to get it wrong sometimes. So humility says, I, like, I don't say, Holy Spirit, give me discernment so that I can be right and I can shove it down everyone else's throat so that I can put my armor on them. Are you with me? Because we have this like thing in us, like, I want to be right. 
So even in your rightness, sometimes we have to look and we have to say, God, what are you saying to me as I determine what it is that should be done? I love David in this because David doesn't actually put anything on Saul. He knows, he knows Saul is making the wrong decision. David simply says, don't worry about it. I'm going to stay in right standing before God. And he doesn't make Saul feel bad about it. Sometimes in our discernment, faithful followers of Jesus, in our right discernment, we end up shoving it down people's throats and trying to make them wear something that's not for them to wear. That perhaps God is giving you revelation and insight because there's something he wants to align with you. And I am a firm believer that if we live in right standing in that absolute moral standard, people will look to it, see the fruit of it, and they will want that. Are you with me? So the only thing you can always be right about is you're going to get it wrong. Let's close our eyes if you feel comfortable doing so. Some of you, I just want to to give you kind of a freeing moment right now. Some of you, I want you to know that when you get it wrong, it is a growth moment opportunity in your discernment training. Some of you right now, it could be really easy for the enemy to come in. I want to speak to this. It could be really easy for the enemy to come in right now and begin to make you feel bad as, as, I, as I release to this word and say, gosh, that, and just you walk with this weight like I suck. I just make the wrong decision all the time. That is the enemy. I'm telling you right now, that is not the grace and the mercy and the loving hand that the Holy Spirit brings. That is not the heart of Jesus in this situation. I want you to know that there's hope for you. I want you to know that every single time that we have a moment where we almost get it right, it is an opportunity for us to submit, admit and submit to the training for us to learn something. And so the question that I want you to ask is, what's the takeaway? What can I take away from the situation rather than what's being done to me in the situation? I want you to ask the question, perhaps you've gotten it wrong. Maybe this last week, you got something wrong. You assumed something of somebody. You assumed something of a situation. You you thought you had all of the facts. You had analyzed the situation to the degree that you needed to. And maybe, maybe you just, you almost got it right. Maybe you got it wrong. It It is an opportunity right now. It is a real opportunity for us right now to say, God, here it is. I got it wrong. Thank you, though, Jesus that you are so full of grace and love and you left us the helper, the advocate. You left us your spirit to be able to help align us because you're a God of meters and we're trying to live a life of yards. And some of you are confused right now. I just want to speak to confusion. I feel like God wants to free some minds today that there's confusion, that you, you, you're you hearing all these different opinions about everything going on, and you're like, God, what is right? Some of you are ready to flee the state of California, perhaps, because you're just like, I can't, I don't know what to do. What do I do? And I, I just want right now that the, the breakthrough power 
of the Holy Spirit would come right now and give you complete clarity in the middle of the decisions you're making. Business decisions that need to be made. Relational decisions that need to be made. That God would speak clearly right now. Some of you are literally losing sleep over decisions that need to be made and you're feeling the weight of it and you're, and, and you're like, I don't know what to do. And today, I, I want there to be a breath of fresh air to know, hold on a second. You don't have to rely on your own faculties. You don't have to rely on Rabbi Google. You don't have to rely on what your friends say. You don't have to rely on what's been done in the past. That God might actually say, I want you to do something wild and crazy, but I want you to adhere to my word. And he's going to speak clearly, and I want you to have the confidence to stand in that. Who needs that kind of breakthrough today? Come on. Amen. Amen. I just want, I'm going to pray for you in general. Two things are going to happen right now. I'm going to pray in general over everybody. Here's the second thing that's going to happen. There's an open invitation always. If you need prayer specifically about something, we want to come alongside you. This is totally normal. If you're new here, this is totally normal. We want to come alongside you. We just want to pray with you. Because we want God's voice to be the leading dominant voice in your life. Not our ministry team, not me, not the self-help gurus, not the plan, not whatever. We want the word of God to be what you're able to, empowered by the Holy Spirit to discern what it is that God has for you. So Lord, I just pray right now, just overall, for all the decisions in this room. By the way, everyone's gonna make thousands upon thousands upon thousands of decisions every single day. You will. You're making a decision right now. Am I going to listen? Am I not? What am I going to, you're thinking about what am I going to eat when I get out of here? How's my fantasy football team doing? Okay. You're thinking about all these, you're making all these decisions. So I'm going to ask right now, Lord, you come in the middle of all the decisions represented in this room, all the decisions represented in every home, in every state, God, um, in every country, I know there's people watching from other countries, Lord, that you would come right in the middle of our decisions, right in the middle of that tension, right in the middle of us trying to figure out what's right and wrong, and you would speak. Just some crystal clear, this is it. Next week, we're going to talk about what it takes to move on what you determine is right. That's the wisdom. That's the application. As we leave here this week, what is the decision that you're facing right now needing discernment? Align it on God's word. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal clearly what, it, what is right and move with humility as you proceed. Really simple. Listen, if you need prayer this morning, raise your hand, come forward. Um, we would love to pray with you. You're going to want to join us next week. You're going to want to hear how we're going to proceed. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We'll see you guys.